Buckwheat Zydeco with Tina Na. And in the studio with me now is Roger Mason. Roger wrote a new book called Jolie Blanc and Amiel Brune. Am I close? Did I say that correctly? Pretty good. Pretty good, Michael. Uh, and this is a love song from Cajun and Creole Louisiana. We started with Buckwheat Zydeco. Why did we start with Buckwheat Zydeco? Well, uh, Buckwheat Zydeco, his real name was Stanley Durrell. He, and, uh, he was a Zydeco accordionist and a, a great guy. And, and if there was a musician that picked up the, the, th- the throne and the crown of Cleveland Chenier, the king of Zydeco, it would have been him. His real name was Stanley Durrell, and he was a graduate from the University of California. Um, you sound he, like you know him. I did. Oh, I okay. did. I knew. I knew a lot of Cajun musicians, uh, Michael. You know Buckwheat Zydeco, but the introduction, the preface to your book is by Alan Lomax. You didn't know Alan Lomax, did you? I did. Yeah, not very long. I, I met him in Paris. I was working for a, a, a folk museum in Paris, and he was coming through because he had worked with my boss, a, a lady whose name was Claudie Marcel Dubois, and he was going. He was researching his uh, his. Uh, uh, public television film on Cajun, Cajun music, and he was going to Normandy, and I suggested to him that he go down instead to the Poitou and Vendée area, which um, I knew pretty well because I toured as a musician there, and I also told him where he could get good oysters. Uh, and I think because of the oysters, uh, he wrote the preface for me. And, uh, well, Alan is, is world famous as far as I'm concerned, as far as uh, the dream to preserve music. And uh, he was one of the first people, along with his father, to do field recordings. That's absolutely right. And, and you know, the conditions that he had, when you, you think of it, uh, I saw a picture of his recording machine. It was in the trunk of his car, and it ran off the battery of the car, you know, and, and it was huge. I mean, I, I, I don't know how many hundreds of pounds it must have weighed. And that's what he recorded with back in the 1930s. He went where no other cars went. He went on dirt roads. And, and it wasn't popular. They said that when he was in Florida, he worked with Zora Neale Hurston, and he recorded in the turpentine camps in northern Florida. He blackfaced his face because if he'd been seen with a black woman in some of the places, it would have been dangerous. So he, he, he had to color his face. Roger Mason is here in the studio. His new book, uh, Love Songs from Cajun and Creole Louisiana, you yourself did field recordings. Did you come across any situations like that? Well... You focused on Cajun music, though. I, I did focus on Cajun and Creole music. Um, I, can, I can say one thing, that when I was in Louisiana, my French was pretty good, and I came with uh, my ex-wife, who was French. If we had come as Northerners from the United States, our reception would have been totally different. And one time we went into a bar called the Blue Angel in Lafayette where uh, Clifton Chenier and, and his, his brother were, and we asked for them, and we got really cold reception. I mean, it was, it was really scary cold reception. You're saying the Cajun community is a pretty close-knit well, the, community. And the, and the, it, the Cajun Creole, these, these were Creole, this was black French speaking. But when we started speaking French... There were drinks that lined up on the bar in 30 seconds, and Clifton Chenier, who had, nobody had ever heard of, came out of the back room, and we spent a day with his brother, uh, uh, went to a baseball game that his son was... It was, it was a, the French language was a real door opener in a lot of situations, you know, um, and I don't know exactly why, but that was the, the way it was. When I think of Cajun music, 
it's not world music, but it it certainly doesn't sound like your normal American music. Where, where does Cajun music come from? Well, that's a good question. I guess the main main root of the tree is prom- probably comes from Acadia. Acadia became Cajun, Acadia, Acadian, 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 Cajun, like Indian, Indian. Where is it? Uh, is that Acadian? What's Acadian that? Acadian was was a part of Canada. It, today, it's the state of Maine in the United States, New Brunswick, the eastern part of Canada. It was a French Protestant colony originally, and stayed that way for probably 10, 15 years uh, under Henry IV, the good time king of France. And when Henry IV was assassinated and politics in France changed, uh, there were problems. So what happened was, this is a long story, I'll try not to make it longer. Uh, English and the French were fighting over Acadia, and the Protestants and the Catholics were fighting over Acadia. And the Acadians became known as the French neutrals because in the same family you could have Protestants, Catholics, English speakers, French speakers. Eventually, both sides, the English and French, wanted a loyalty oath, and the Acadians wouldn't do it because they were a mixed culture. In 1755, the English threw all of them out in in what was really like a genocide, that uh, there were thousands of them that were deported in the cruelest situation. Some of them ended up in South America. Some of them went back to France, and a lot of them came to Louisiana. And that's the root, the strongest root. Now, the the deal is in Louisiana, the Cajuns today, you can have Vietnamese that are playing Cajun accordion, uh, Syrians. You have... And then you had the whole deal from the, the Caribbean with the, the blacks from, from Haiti and, and where they had the revolution with Toussaint Louverture. And so that was a big, big deal. So it's a big mix. The French language and probably the Catholic religion now in Louisiana, those are, are key identity things. So it's a mixture of from the black slaves and the, and the Caribbean music. And free blacks, too. Free, free blacks in Louisiana back in the talking about the late 1700s, 1800s. So the music has evolved over all these years, and it was pretty isolated as well. Nobody really knew anything about it. Alan Lomax really, back in the 30s, was going into unknown territory. And then, I think it was in the 40s, was it a film called Louisiana Story when they discovered oil in Louisiana. That was the first time that, uh, I know my dad did some basic training uh, in the military. My dad was a military officer in, in Louisiana, and he wrote about it. It was pretty isolated. Uh, it was swamp country. You know? I hear stories of how it almost died out, but I believe it was the 1961 Newport Folk Festival where they had a revival. This is a great story. Dewey Balfa was uh, uh, asked to come to Newport, I think it was in 63, and he came because somebody had broken their leg, and, and he was just replacing them as not as a fiddler, as a guitarist. And Ralph Rensler was on the board of, of Newport and asked Dewey and his brothers to come back the, the year after. And Dewey had been playing just for dances in Louisiana, along with being an insurance salesman, a school bus driver, having a furniture store, and being a farmer, uh, all this at the same time. And when he and his brothers came to Newport in 64, the story is there were 17,000 people that gave them a standing ovation. And Dewey said he came back to Louisiana with the sound of the applause in his ear, and he became like a missionary for Cajun music, and he had discovered a new public, the folk public of Bob Dylan and Joni Mitchell. and Had a new career. It really was, and he he's inspired 
a lot of people. Today, they have a Bothva camp in Louisiana, a summer camp, a music camp, and his name, he's become like an icon, Dewey. Roger Mason is here in the studio. His new book, Jolie Blanc, a ami- Amable. Amable. There it's, you go. It's so hard to, <laughs> for the people who don't speak French, they can't even say the title. <laughs> well, what, what was your purpose with this book? Well, I wanted to get these songs out there. Uh, I had recorded them, and one of the things that I always uh, bugged me was when these good songs would stay locked up in museums, uh, uh, and there's a lot of good songs locked up in, in, in archives of museums. And so I wanted to get them out there in a simple way. That was one thing. The other thing was that a lot of times if you listen to the field recording, the words and the music sometimes are not obvious to sing. The French language has has been twisted around. Sometimes people are singing words they don't even understand. And the melodies, you know, they're fascinating if you want to do research. But if you're a, a folk singer... You, it, they need they need to be arranged a little bit. So I put guitar chords on them and I arrange them a little bit, and that was another idea, trying to get the songs out there so people will sing them. Well, you yourself did field recordings. I did, yeah. And a lot of the songs in this book are from my field recordings in the 1970s. I went to Louisiana three or four times in the 70s. Well, let's. can we hear uh, some music? Sure. What do you want to start with? Why don't we do that um, Selena Guidry, uh, Aimable Brune one. And what, what is this? It's a love song. Uh, it says, I'm going to go see my beautiful brunette, but I don't know if she wants me, but I'm going to try anyway, even though her parents are against me. And then it says, uh, long live uh, love, uh, long live wine, and long live the girls both night and day. Selena Guidry qui va chanter. Je m'en irai voir mon aimable brune, mais je ne sais pas si je l'aurai. Oui, je l'aurai, quoi qu'elle me coûte, quoi que ses parents lui en dégoûtent. Vive le vin, vive l'amour, vive la fille à la nuit comme le jour. Viens avec moi, mon aimable. Bonsoir, Catin. And now... Uh, Roger, that's what a field recording sounds like. Right, the Selena Guidry one is a field recording, yeah. And other people have done that song? Well, yeah, Michael, the the thing is that when these songs become available, a lot of times the words and the music, the melodies are, are, are really attractive. And so when you've got a group that's looking for material, and most groups do, uh, this is a, a natural place to do it. So this is a group of young women from uh, Louisiana called Bonsoir Catin that uh, put it together sort of as a dance piece of, and with, with the same melody, and, the, and they learned it from the field recording.
Mon Amable Brun, music of uh, the French heritage. And in the studio with me is Roger Mason with his new book, Jolie Blanc et Emile Brun. Amable. Amable. There you go. Come on, Michael. <laughs> I'll get it right. I'll try to get it right. And this it's a new book. It's available where? At Books and Books in, uh, in Coral Gables and in Pinecrest, the Books and Books store. They're carrying it. And the song we just listened to is in the book? It's in the book, yeah. Both the uh, English version and the French version. Right. So there is a connection there between the old and the new. That's the point because, you know, the, the, the old world is, is gone. A lot of these people that were on these field recordings, you know, they're no longer here. And the lifestyle that they had is gone too. But what's happened is that there are a lot of kids that, that are looking for good songs to sing uh, in Louisiana and probably in other places too. And so these, this is good source material. There was a time in Louisiana in that they were trying to discourage the French culture. Oh, yeah. You got, you got whacked on the fingers with your ruler if you spoke French. It was sort of the, you know, the melting pot, the same thing that they did with, uh, with Native Americans who were, are still among the main French speakers in Louisiana, the, the different Native American tribes. Uh, speaking French was not cool, and that has changed 
a lot now. What what made it change? Well, it it's changed probably if you wanted it to single out one th- one thing. There was a congressman whose name was Jimmy Demangeau back in the 1960s, and he felt that French in Louisiana was going to be good for commerce, trade with African countries, and he was not a, a music fan. In fact, he didn't he didn't like Cajun music at all, and he didn't even like Cajun French. But we got to him. Dewey Balfa got to him. Ron Stanford and his wife Faye, me. Several people that were in Louisiana persuaded him that the music would help him. So he started this thing called the CODAFIL, the Committee for the Defense of the French Language in Louisiana. And it's still there today. And it's organized a festival in Lafayette. I think they're in their 45th year or something like that. So without knowing it, he helped preserve the culture. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, you, 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 know, you didn't have to agree with everything he said. But one thing for sure, he, he helped preserve the French culture there. I'm surprised about the diversity of culture that you find in Louisiana. It's really its own melting pot. Uh, Carl Brasseau, who's a, a, a scholar in, in Louisiana, says that there are 18 different ethnic groups in Louisiana who are French speakers. How accurate would it be if I said that Cajun is to white music as Zydeco is to black? Well, today it's probably accurate. It didn't always used to be that way because there were a lot of bands and a lot of music that blacks and whites played together. And this didn't mean that they were all lily white. There was a lot of, of really tough stories. There's one that you can get on YouTube about the death of Amadee Ardouin. Alan Lomax talks about it. And this uh, this incredible black singer and, and accordion player who uh, was playing with uh, Dennis McGee in a, in a white club back in the 40s. And, and uh, he asked for a towel because he was sweating. And... Um, the daughter of the owner of the club came and wiped her, his face off with her handkerchief. And when the gig was over, a bunch of guys got him and, and beat him up, ran, ran over him with a car several times, ran over his throat. He couldn't sing anymore, and he died in a, in a mental hospital. Mm. Uh, so what I'm trying to say is, is that the black and white music, there was a period where it was really together. And you didn't really make that difference. The whole term Zydeco really didn't get popular until the 50s or 60s, you know. But the music had been there before. So it's a hard question, Michael. I, I, don't, I, I don't know if that comes close to answering it. But In your book, Jolie Blanc et Emil Boone. Amable. Amable. <laughs> uh, you don't focus on the dance music on the book. No, I don't. And because... Almost all the the attention the Cajun and, and Creole Zydeco music is has been on the dance music because it, uh, you don't need to understand French to dance. Uh, you don't need to listen to the words to dance. But what has happened is that the dance music has become popular in the United States. Uh, my buddy Michael Doucet from Beausoleil tells me that there are Cajun groups now in all 50 states of the United States, which is kind of amazing. But What's happened is this dance music has kind of overshadowed another tradition of story songs with incredible stories. Some of them go back to the Middle Ages. It's just as rich in some ways as the child ballads, you know, from the Appalachians, uh, that uh, a lot of songs that that we know that are old English songs in the United States. Well, the French counterpart is in these story songs, and that's what I tried to tap into with this book. Do these songs go back to France? Yeah, a lot of them do. A lot of them go back to France. Some of them don't. 
Some of them are really homegrown, but I'd say in this book, probably more than half of them do go back to France, and they're easy, they can be traced, you know, to exactly where in France they, they go back to. Sometimes, you know, they've been changed around uh, to make them more Louisiana, more American, but sometimes they're surprisingly close to the French versions. Well, let's listen to a couple more songs sure. that you brought in. This one is a, called a Mont Marie song in France. It's about the misfortunes of marriage. The first group we're going to hear are Dewey Boff and his brothers, the Boffa brothers, singing this. And the words say, if you marry a pretty girl, you're in danger because somebody's going to steal her. If you marry an ugly girl, you're in danger because you have to spend your life with her. If you marry a poor girl, you're in danger because you'll have to work your whole life. And if you marry a rich girl, you're in danger because everybody's going to accuse you of wasting her money. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Sounds like a great song already.
Soleil with Parlez Nous à, à, à Boire. And we heard actually two versions of that. And the Beausoleil version is the contemporary version. Yeah. Uh, is that book in your book as well? Yes, it is. Uh, it, it, New Orleans affected you. Cajun music affected you. Roger Mason, his new book is Jolie Blanc et Amrebrun. <laughs> Close. <laughs> Go. <laughs> well, what, what, what made Louisiana so special that it, it created this music? You know, uh, I think part of it is is that first of all it was so diverse, um, and that people had to get along because they they had little choice. But the French tradition, uh, we were talking about this that more than the language, you know, I mean the language is important when a language is healthy or or disappears, it makes a lot of difference. Just just try to live a day without being able to talk to anybody, you know, it, uh, uh, and you'd get a feeling, but. Maybe even more than the language is there's a, an expression in French called joie de vivre, and the Cajuns have it big time, uh, the joy of living, the joy of, of life. And they're a culture that has a lot of hardships, whether it's poverty, whether it's racism, whether it's ecology, refugees, you know, oil spills or, or hurricanes, uh, but they never let their joy of living Go that that despite all the hardships. I mean, it sounds like a fairy tale, but it's it's part of their culture. Is the Cajun culture is the music 
being preserved? Are there new bands playing? Oh, yeah. There, there, I was at the Acadian and Creole Festival at, in Lafayette last fall, and it was like a four-day festival, and it's in its 45th year, I think, or something like that. And there must have been 30 groups that were playing, and they were all, you know, in their 20s and 30s, most of them, and uh, looking for new material. Um, people are writing books of poetry, and there's some school programs. This friend of mine, Chad Huval, has got a music program for little kids, teaching them how to play Cajun accordion, and, and he's the accordionist in Beausoleil, you know, and he does this on the side. Uh, there, there's a lot of stuff that's happening. Roger, currently you are teaching at you at University of Miami. Well, I'm I'm affiliated with the, the University of Miami. I I don't teach regularly. I, I teach a couple three classes maybe every year. I'm what they call a visiting scholar, and didn't tell me where I'm visiting from. I just live down the street from from UM, but but I'm I'm active with the musicology department there. Well, congratulations. It's it's a beautiful book with illustrations, uh, both English and French translations of old songs. Any songs were popular? Any of these songs that made it to the charts? Yeah, uh, Jolie Blonde did. There are a few that have gotten, you know, national recognition uh, in there, but a lot of them a lot of them are songs that are good songs that that were under the radar. And the theory is is that a musician could take these songs and modernize them. Absolutely. That's the, the whole point of the book, really, you know, to get those songs out there so they don't stay in a book, they don't stay in a draw of a museum someplace. Where can we get your book? You can get it at Books and Books, Books and Books in, in Coral Gables and in Pinecrest, the, both of those stores carrying it. Roger Mason, congratulations. The book is beautiful, and I, I hope you come back and tell us more. Well, thank you so much for having me, Michael. It really is a, it's a, an honor to be here. Thank you.